are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible tonight and turn with me to the book of Hosea, please, chapter number 10. Hosea chapter number 10, I've enjoyed the service tonight. It's been good to hear all the special singing. Thank you for being in church on Sunday night and for being faithful uh, in these conditions. And uh, it's a blessing to see it. It's really convicting to see it as well. And you'll have to pray for me uh, as I preach tonight because I'm fighting a couple things. The first thing I'm fighting is just feeling like I need to just preach five minutes and let you go because it's wet and it's cold. And uh, maybe that's what we ought to do. I don't know. It just feels... I, I'll be, it just doesn't feel right that they would have us out here, but they do, don't they? So let's pray about that. And then also pray about this, the topic that I'm preaching on tonight. I feel very inadequate to preach on it. It's not something that uh, I have the corner on the market at all, and it's not something even I would say that I'm experiencing every day of my life. But I know this, I want to, and I need to, and I long to. And I'm praying tonight God will use this to stir our heart and get us going that direction. I don't know if you can have revival in a single service or not, but I do believe we can set our hearts in that direction. And I believe even lately God has been setting our hearts that direction. So let's pray together. Hosea 10, 12. Let's read the verse of Scripture and I'll pray quickly and give you the thought for tonight. <clears throat> the Bible said, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. I see that phrase in verse number 12. It's just three words toward the middle of the verse. The Bible says this, it is time. It is time. Hosea is saying if there was ever a moment that we needed it, we need it now. If there ever was a day where it was appropriate, it's appropriate now. If ever the conditions called for it, they call for it right now. Hosea hungered. Hosea was driven. Hosea was set on the fact his people needed revival, and when did they need it? They needed it right now. I said a minute ago, I don't feel like it's right, maybe humanitarianly speaking, to be out here, but maybe it is right, spiritually speaking, right now to be out here. Maybe God is trying to get our attention. Maybe God is trying to help us. For a little while, I want us to think on that thought. It is time. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to my heart, speak to our hearts tonight. I pray for liberty. I pray you'd help us just for a few moments to focus on your word I pray that we'd hunger for revival, not just to say it, but I pray you would hunger to experience it. Help us, Lord, to meet with you tonight. Meet with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hyman Appleman, the Jewish evangelist who was converted, was preaching for a man named Joe Henry Hankins in Childress, Texas, many years ago. They were having an outdoor tent meeting, and the weather was much like this. It rained every single day from Sunday through Thursday. Just poured the rain down after the Thursday night meeting, Pastor Hankins said to his congregation, anybody who wants to join me, we're going to go across the street and we're going to pray, have a prayer meeting in the building across the street. He said, I don't want anybody to come and pray unless you're willing to pray until Jesus comes down. About 35 people joined him across the street and they began to pray. Hyman Appleman said they prayed and they sang and they testified and they prayed. And then about three in the morning, they closed out their prayer meeting. They went back to the meeting and began to preach. And that following week, 126 people were added to the church membership because they sought the face of God and they prayed until Jesus came down and 
God sent a touch of revival. I read the illustration of a man in a town who was an infidel, a lost man who never would attend church. The pastor pled with him and invited him and he never would attend. The church caught fire. The pastor was running to his burning church and as he raced toward the church, he saw that infidel running toward the church as well. He said, I can't believe you're finally coming to church. And that infidel, that lost man said, I'd have been here before, but it's never been on fire before. I want to ask the question, have you ever been on fire before? Spiritually speaking, have you ever been part of a service where it was obvious the fire of God was burning in that service? Without question, I believe the word revival has been made the victim of private interpretation and fluid definition probably more than any Bible word. We hear the word mentioned in pulpits. We see the word printed on flyers. The word is often advertised on social media. I've seen people post and say we're having a great revival. I've heard people talk about it. They say we're having a revival meeting. I've even heard folks say things like this. I went to church sad and I'm leaving happy. I think we had revival. I've driven across the country and seen church marquees advertising a number of dates, a start date and a stop date. And above those dates, they'll be in big black block letters, that word revival. That's a little different concept than what was pushed by the old time preachers who said you don't run revival by clock and calendar, but you show up and meet until victory comes. I've listened to testimonies and they say things like, boy, that singing stirred my heart. We had revival. Well, that preacher sure is exciting. I think we had revival. To some, just saying amen out loud means they had revival. To others, getting a big offering means they had revival. Still others would say if a good crowd showed up, they had revival. That's a little different than a man like Charles Finney, who they said would ride on horseback through those cold winters in New York and Ohio. He'd find himself a barn and unsaddle his horse and wrap himself in that saddle blanket find a place in a barn loft and pray until sweat poured from his body, begging God to send revival. I believe I can say this, and I've not arrived, but I've given much of my life to the pursuit of it. I believe I can say this from observation that the concept of revival in the mind of the average shallow Christian of our generation is about on equal plane with a high school pep rally. They think that if they get a pinch of encouragement, or the emotions are stirred just a little bit, or if they attend the annual fall or spring meeting, they're doing all right in the area of revival. I believe most Christians use the word revival, but they've never experienced the truth of revival. I wanna ask us in our generation, do we really want Bible revival, or do we just wanna be safe, blessed, and comfortable? I believe many Christians want just enough of God to get by, but they don't want enough of God to get right. We've battled through these strange days together and we've battled through a strange disease together. But what burdens me is how many Christians have fallen out rather than fallen on their faces before God. If you study your Bible, you find in the Bible that God often used seasons of disease and times of trouble like this, not to get his people to quit, but to bring his people to a breaking point where they'd cry out to God and have revival. I'm gonna ask you tonight, is this not enough to get our attention? Is this not enough to get us hungry for God? Is this not enough to bring us to our knees and break us so that we might get a hold of Him in prayer? I fear today we want the crown but not the cross. We want victory but no battle. We want the field to bear fruit but don't wanna break up our fallow ground. I'm convinced many Christians wanna rejoice but don't wanna bear reproach. 
They want to be happy, but they don't want to be holy. They want God's favor, but they don't want God's fellowship. You give them a Wi-Fi connection, a decent paycheck, and a little bit of liberty in our nation, and they don't think they need much of God. I say I want more than that. It is time to seek the Lord. When we come to consider revival, we're talking about something far bigger and something far greater than man can promote, man can put on, or man can program. Revival is a great thing, but tonight, church, we have to understand revival is a God thing. You can't activate revival by flipping a switch. You don't turn on revival by pressing a button. Revival doesn't come down because you printed a sleek flyer. If we're gonna have real revival, it'll take the Lord and the Lord alone. Revival is not the work of man, but revival is holy, a work of God. You can schedule dinner on the grounds and you can schedule a missions conference and you can schedule a Christmas cantata, but you cannot schedule revival, the kind of move of God, the kind of manifestation of God, the kind of meeting with God that we need is more than what we've had before. We need God to come down, to pour out his blessing upon us, to send revival in our nation. In the beginning of the world, the world was wrapped in chaotic darkness. As you had looked, if you were there, you'd see God's creation veiled in that shadow. There was only one thing that could make light uh, interrupt that darkened scene of creation. The only thing that could cause light to shine in that darkened state was God and God alone. And the only thing that's going to allow the light spiritually to shine in our generation is God and God alone. Revival's different than a new normal meeting. Revival's not just another normal encounter with church, but revival will leave you differently than it found you. Revival upsets business as usual. Revival tears down before it blesses. It brings tears before it brings shouts. It'll cast out before it builds up. And when it comes, it'll revolutionize every area of the Christian life and every area of the local church. When revival comes, we can say goodbye to five-minute prayer meetings. When revival comes, we'll say goodbye to vacant mourners benches. When revival comes, we'll say goodbye to our petty differences. When revival comes, we'll say goodbye to no burden for souls. When revival comes, I tell you, there won't be dry eyes. There won't be silenced shouts. But when revival comes, every area of life is turned upside down for the glory of God. Revival cannot be worked from earth upward, but real revival comes heaven downward. I'll say it again. Revival is not the work of man. Revival is the work of God. It doesn't come by seeking revival. Revival comes by seeking God. And when you and I get hungry for God, we'll find he can give us drink. When you get hungry for God, he can give you bread. When you get longing for God, he'll satisfy the need. And when you and I set our hearts to seek his face, that's when you can expect to experience Experience revival. The hymn has it right. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thine love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Revival is not just my emotions being stirred, but revival is the Spirit of God working in my heart. It's a word straight to my soul from the throne of heaven. Revival is more than just going through the motions. Revival is having my life changed by the power of God. Evan Roberts, the Welsh preacher, said of the revival in Wales, the power of the revival in South Wales is not of men, but all of God. I'm not the source of the revival. I'm only one 
one agent in what is growing to be a multitude. In Psalm 85, 6, it says it well. Wilt thou, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? In our text verse, Hosea tells his people exactly what it's going to take to see revival. He said, it is time to seek the Lord. Now tonight I'm talking about more than just a good meeting. I'm talking about more than just getting encouraged. I'm talking about more than just a slick sermon, some good special singing, and a few extra days of church during the week. I'm talking about the kind of revival that we read about in our Bible, the kind of revival that we've experienced throughout history, the kind of revival that can only come from God above. I wonder tonight, do you not agree with me? It is time to seek the Lord? What more is it going to take for God to awaken the sleeping hearts of His people? What more is it going to take for God to stir the stagnant soul of His people? What more will it take for God to resurrect the dead spirit of His people? We desperately need revival. You say, well, what is revival? My thought is this revival in my mind is a fresh conviction of sin that comes from the Holy Ghost of God. You won't have revival until first you get a reconsciousness or a refreshing conviction of the sin in your life. After that conviction sets in, it'll lead you to confession. You'll begin to cry out to God, Woe is me from a man of unclean lips. But the Bible promises this, if we'll confess our sin, He is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sin and forgive us of all unrighteousness. And then once you've been convicted, and then once you've confessed your sin, God can cleanse you of your sin. And then that clears the way in your heart for God to work in a way He hasn't worked in a long time or maybe He's never worked before. Dr. Tom Malone, the pastor of the Emanuel Baptist Church in Pontiac, Michigan, I was able to preach there a few times before it closed, said a revival is not just a special service or crusade or an evangelistic campaign. A revival is a refreshing from God, a reviving of existing spiritual life, a fire from heaven, a moving of God's Holy Ghost in and upon the lives of believers. Revival means to renew. Revival means to restore. Revival means to give life a second time. You read the Word of God, and we find here the premise, the promise, and example after example of God sending revival. In the Bible, you find revival happened individually. Revival happened regionally. And sometimes revival even happened nationally. I think about the life of a man like Samson or Elijah. They had personal revival. I think about the region of Galatia as Paul preached. They had regional revival. I think about the days of Ezra as the temple was rebuilt. They had national revival. A person or a nation or a region may live and die and never have revival. But it does not mean that person, that nation or region could not have had revival. There's a lot of things about God I don't understand. But there's one thing tonight about God I can tell you without having to hesitate, with no reservation. My lip doesn't quiver. My hand doesn't tremble as I say it. I don't know a lot about God. But there's one thing I know for sure about God. God has the ability and God has the desire to revive His people. Now tonight as born again people, we can say we have spiritual life. Ephesians 2 tells us we've been quickened or made alive by the Holy Ghost of God. That means we have spiritual life. But I want you to hear my statement. Though we have spiritual life, 
our lives are not always spiritual. I'll say it again. Though we have spiritual life, our lives are not always spiritual. And even the most spiritual person here tonight has moments in your walk with God when you're not living on the spiritual mountaintop, but you find yourself waning and weakened and wallowing in the spiritual valley. It happened all throughout Scripture. Jonah ran from God, but he hadn't always run from God. He just found a time when he needed revival. Peter backslid and went fishing, but he hadn't always been backslidden. He just ran into a time when he needed revival. David committed adultery, but he hadn't always been conquered by his flesh. He just got in a season where he needed revival. Moses lost his temper, but he hadn't always been overcome with his anger. He just got to a time when he needed revival. Israel had times of great spiritual success, but they also had times of great spiritual apostasy. But can I say all it was is they had times in their life they needed revival. And tonight we're commanded to grow in grace. But the truth is it's far easier to grow cold because of our flesh than it is to grow in grace. We have spiritual life, but at times that spiritual life wanes. We find our burden for souls gone, our love of prayer gone. We find our zeal a bit abated, our holiness spotted by the flesh. But it's in those moments, thank God, we have the promise of the Bible, that we have the God of the Bible who can send revival to our heart. We don't have to live on the downward side. We don't have to live on the shallow end. We don't have to live in spiritual uh, anemia. We don't have to live on spiritually weakened by this world. We can get up, be renewed, be restored, be refreshed. We can have revival. Revival means to renew. It means to restore. It means to give life again. Hosea said it is time. What kind of time? What's Hosea living in? Study it out. His hour wasn't very favorable. He said, it's time for revival. His day was not very favorable. He said, it's time for revival. He wasn't living in a God-friendly generation. He said, it's time for revival. Hosea wasn't living among spiritual giants. He said, it's time for revival. Hosea wasn't attending all-night prayer meetings with God's people. They weren't praying at all. He said, it's time for revival. Hosea uh, wasn't living in a day where the fire of revival was greatly burning. He said, it's time for revival. Hosea wasn't living in an hour where they were running to God. They were running from God. And he said, it's time for revival. Hosea is living in a day where they'd been spiritual adulterers and played the harlot and cheated on God with their affection. And he said, it is time for revival. Hosea, what time is it? It's time. Sin is abounding. It's time because apathy is rampant. It is time. The pulse of our nation is faint and is quickly fading away. And in days like that, Hosea said, surely if never before, we do need it now. It is time to seek the Lord. I want you to think with me on that phrase. It is time. Now God is not clock confined, but God is very clock conscious. And time is a concept given to man by God so that we can better understand understand the way that God interacts and, uh, and, uh, and works in the affairs of man. To God it's always time. But I do believe there are seasons. I do believe there are moments. I do believe there are windows when God does certain things in the life of his people where it sort of primes the pump for them to see revival. It is 
time. Hosea looks at his hour and he doesn't get depressed. He doesn't get discouraged. He begins to look up and say, if not before it is now, it's a great day to see God do something big in our generation. It is time to seek the Lord. Now, I want to say tonight that I was studying in the church office this afternoon and I was so glad when Pastor walked in about 3.30 or 4, whenever it was, because I was alone in my office before that, and I was praying and I was studying, and God began to whip up on me. How could I preach on revival? I'm a million miles from revival. I feel in my heart so much. Oh, wretched man that I am. And I began to think on that phrase, it is time. And I want to say I believe it's time for me personally to seek the Lord. Oh, let us discard everything that distracts us. Cut off everything that would lead us away. Clean up all the things that we've made a mess of. And get right with Him. I was watching a message, not out of vanity, it just happened. I was Googling songs to listen to before I preached. And one on the song list was a sermon I preached at a, at a meeting two years ago. And I watched a ten minute clip of it. And the hair on the back, I don't, know if, I don't know if this is just emotion or what, but the hair on my neck was standing on end because I was watching that and seeing that meeting and I thought, boy, I need that. I want that back. I miss that move of God, the people of God and the house of God and the Spirit of God coming down and people on the altar during the message and people waving their hands and saying amen. And I thought, oh God, I don't want to get so far away that I can't feel your touch or hear your voice or feel that fire burn and the Holy Ghost of God begin to deal with me before I'd ever come out here and try to preach to you that it is time for me in my own life to seek the Lord. But can I say, I believe it's time for you to seek the Lord as well. God has more for you than you can ever imagine. God has a desire and design for your life. God has a purpose for your existence. But can I say we'll never experience that life more abundantly until we get on the revival side of things. Tonight is time to seek the Lord as a church. Is it not time we seek God in our generation? So many churches are dying. So many preachers are quitting. Most of the texts and conversations I have are with discouraged children of God. So many mistakes and so many ministries falling apart. If ever there was a need for at least one church to go against that trend and one people to seek the face of God. It is time. It is time. In the midst of this, it's time. In this hour, it is time. In this day, it is time. Let others fall. Let others die. Let others quit. Let others go in the house and say it's enough. As for us, we have to say it is time to seek the Lord. If it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's cold, if it's hot, if I'm wet, if I'm dry, oh, I'm going to hunger and thirst after righteousness like a deer panting after the water like a baby desires the milk of the word like a starving man needs a bite of bread God we need you in our life is it not time as we journey into a new year and cross this threshold from the old year I think it'd be good to enter into a new year with a measure of revival upon our ministry I think tonight we stand at a crossroads I was so convicted. I don't mean a crossroads as a nation. I mean at a crossroads as a church. You say, what do you mean? I've probably said it more than I should, and I'll say it again tonight just to make the point. I think I've said almost every message we're living in strange days. But I think more than strange days, I think we're living in providential days, and I think we're living in serious days. By that I mean nobody ever had revival when they were comfortable. 
Nobody ever had revival when everything was going good. Nobody ever experienced revival when there wasn't any heat of persecution or difficulty in life. Comfort brought complacency and then casualties in Christianity as you read your Bible. And can I say, I believe God has brought us here culturally. God has brought us here electorally. God has brought us here physically. God has brought us here nationally to show us the frailty of us so that we might look up and see the necessity of Him. And tonight we stand at a crossroads and we can make a decision. We can limp down the road. Every other place in this world is going to travel if they don't get God in on what they're doing. We can limp down that road of business as usual, going about our business the way we always have, the way we've always done it with the same attitude and the same outlook. Or we can take this other route that God has cleared for us through these circumstances. That if we'll meet His required conditions, we can go down that route. You say, what is that route? That route is real revival. I'm talking about revival like probably most of us have never seen before. I've studied it so much. I read a book last night over again. I've read it many times. It's not real big, so I read it again last night. On different individuals who saw revival in their day. And if you were to give a prognosis of their hour, you'd say it surely isn't the time. But I'm glad they had enough faith in God to say, you know what, I think it is time. It's time to seek the Lord. And they saw revival. I think we get so consumed with what's happening to us, we're missing what God wants to do in us. Curtis Hudson said it right. Curtis Hudson said revival's not an explosion, it's a combustion. Revival doesn't mean you're swinging from chandeliers necessarily. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to run laps around the parking lot. It might not mean everybody's shouting out loud and 400 people on the altar. But I tell you what revival is. Revival is something that happens personally in your life. And if you'll let God do it in your heart, that little fire God starts in your heart can jump to another heart and then jump to another heart. And before you know it, what we want, what we think revival is can take place because we let God work in us. As we roll that calendar page into 2020, it'd be good to have on the agenda revival in January and then again revival in February and then again revival in March and revival in April and revival in May and all the way through until next December when we find ourselves a year from tonight standing and we can look back and rejoice on the good hand of God on our life because we got serious about seeking His face. Let others be lukewarm. Let others just float with the current. Let others just get a little bit of what God can do. As for us, why don't we seek the Lord? It's time. Maybe you've already swallowed that pessimistic pill. It's too hard, too far gone, it's too difficult. Would you consider the atmosphere, the culture, and the difficulty in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost? That's the same crowd that cried crucify him not long before. That's the same government that given Jesus up to be murdered not long before. But the power of the Holy Ghost through a preacher with boldness in his spirit stood up and he preached the word of God. And 3,000 people got saved. After that, thousands more got saved. After that, churches got planted. After that, prayer meetings took off. And we have a church tonight in Santa Clara, California because a preacher preached in a day when they would have said, it's not time, but Peter resolved. You know what? It is time. It's time to seek the Lord. I think about John Knox. Maybe you know him. Maybe you've never heard of him. 
John Knox preached in the mid-1500s. He preached to his home nation of Scotland. He preached to a people that were uh, idolaters and wrapped in Roman Catholicism. John Knox was often ill and imprisoned and exiled. He was persecuted and hated, but he kept preaching and he kept preaching. Mary, Queen of Scots, took the throne and she made the statement, I fear the prayers of Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. John Knox began to pray, Give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or I die. It wasn't the time, but in his heart he thought, it is time. He began to pray, give me Santa Clara or I die. Give me California or I die. Give me America or I die. And they had a revival that took over that nation because John Knox said, it is time. Jonathan Edwards preached in the 1740s, days of corrupt government and government overreach. He was preaching to churches that were wrapped in formalism. They were orthodox, but they were dead. He began to preach and pray. He prayed for three days and three nights fasting that God would give him New England. Jonathan Edwards climbed in his pulpit and preached and revival broke out. He made the statement and said the Spirit of God began extraordinarily to set in. Revival grew. Souls came by the floods to Christ. And the great awakening took place in New England. Along with Jonathan Edwards was a man named George Whitfield, an Anglican preacher. George Whitfield made seven different preaching tours throughout the colonies. He began to preach in Georgia, reaching those Native Americans, but made his way up uh, into New England and would preach. They said you'd measure his volume without a microphone by the acre. He'd preach sometimes to crowds of 30,000 people in the open air, and God enabled him to reach them with his voice. He began to preach, and folks got born again and saved. And from that was a man named Shubal Stearns, rather, who got saved in Connecticut, made his way down through Appalachia and then down through the south, planting Baptist churches. And that's why we have the Bible Belt in the south. It was not the time, but in the heart of those men, they determined it is time to seek the Lord. And the Lord showed up. I think about, I think about Evan Roberts. I mentioned him in Wales, only 26 years old. 26 years old and already serious about God. I read about Christmas Evans and I read about uh, Peter Cartwright. Peter Cartwright, I believe, was 19 years old when he surrendered to preach and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And today we have men in their 30s that can't get out of their mama's basement and off their video game long enough to pray. Those men sought God. Evan Roberts began to preach. He said, I believe the world is upon the threshold of a great religious revival. And I pray daily that I may be allowed to help bring it about. There was a youth group and the youth leader posed the question to his teenagers. And he said, what do you think of Jesus Christ? It was silent as it often is in a youth group meeting. They just sat there and stared at the youth leader. Again, he said, what do you think about Jesus Christ? And a young lady with trembling voice broke under conviction and said, I love him with all my heart. And revival began to sweep through Wales. Is it not time to seek the Lord? D.O. Moody during the Civil War, then later in the 1800s preaching and souls saved. Billy Sunday through the World War I and Great Depression, the Roaring Twenties, souls, thousands of souls saved. There's no difference between Santa Clara and, the, and Wales. There's no difference between Santa Clara and Scotland. There's no difference in Santa Clara and Oberlin, Ohio, where Charles Finney was there's no difference in Santa Clara 
and uh, in Northampton where Jonathan Edwards was. There's no difference in Santa Clara and Chicago where Billy Sunday got started. There's no difference in our town and these other cities and nations where we read about revival. The only factor that distinguishes those places from this place is in those places there was at least somebody that determined it's time to seek the Lord. I'll give you my definition and I'll close. What is revival? Revival is a conviction of sin. We're not going to get revival till we get right. We've got to understand that in our own heart there's fallow ground. Break it up, the Bible says. That hard place, that stony place, that field filled with trash. Let that plow violently dig in and revolutionize, turn it over. You can sow seed on fallow ground, but it's about like sowing seed on this parking lot. It's no good. But once you break up that hard soil, you can sow that seed and that field that was barren can bear fruit again. Tonight, let's just be honest, none of us are where we could be with God. And most of us aren't where we should be with God. But thank God all of us have the ability to get right with God tonight. Number two, don't just get convicted of your sin, but then confess it. The reason these wooden benches are up here is more than decor is for you to use. We have enough parking lot to spread out where everybody could get out of their car and bend a knee and pray if they wanted to. Even if we didn't have enough parking lot to do it, I think God would be pleased if we did it anyhow. To seek His face in prayer. You say, but it's wet out there. Well, if you don't want to get wet, then you probably aren't going to have revival. Confession. That brings a cleansing. I'm glad that you can get forgiveness of your sin. I can get forgiveness of my sin. And then once I confess my sin, I'm glad it clears the way in my heart. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I think about that infidel running to church. So you've never been to church before. So well, it's never been on fire before. We've had some great services. But I don't think we've seen all that God could do if we'd let him. I wonder tonight if there's some men that get around an altar and pray for revival. Maybe you leave your wife under a tent or in the car so you don't have to get out in this cold. But men, if you don't seek his face, we're not going to have revival. You don't have an awakening without an altar. You've got to seek his face. Maybe you need to come get right with God or somebody else. Maybe there's somebody here tonight you're not right with. Go to them and say, I'm sorry, and get it right. Maybe you've not been reading your Bible, spending time in prayer. Maybe you have no burden for souls. Get it right. It is time to seek the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. I'd like to go into the rapture having revival. Wouldn't that be good? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.